0: Welcome to Diner Talks with James. Slide into the booth and let's have conversations we never want to end. With friends we never want to leave. Over food we probably shouldn't be eating. Friends, what is going on? Welcome to another episode of Diner Talks with James. I'm James and I'm super pumped to be here with you all today. Thanks so much for sliding in the booth with me. What are we having today, friends? You want a greasy burger? You probably want a greasy burger. You look like you're in a greasy burger mood today. And I ain't mad at you. First kind of pizza burger I ever had was in a diner where they literally slather it with marinara sauce and and a little mozzarella cheese. It's a delightful product. The bun is decimated by the end. It is a knife and fork burger. Uh, But, you know, if you want to give me carbs topped with cheese and marinara sauce, I'll probably eat it in most forms. So that's what we're going to serve you up today, my friends. We're going to do that in the form of my man, Jason Hewlett. Jason and I met... A few years ago, when a lot of people in the speaking industry said, You know, you need to talk to Jason Hewlett. You know, you're, you know, Jason Hewlett, you should talk to Jason Hewlett. You know, he's a good guy, Jason Hewlett. And I was like, All right, who is this fool? And then all of a sudden, he was on the main stage doing a session, tickling the Ivories, Ray Charles in it up. What a wonderful world. Louis Armstrong doing all of the beautiful things. And the man is captivating on stage, an exceptional entertainer who also punches you in the side with some education as well. Uh, And I quickly gained respect for him, understand why people told me that I should talk to him and I have been trying to build a friendship with him ever since. And I would say it's working, y'all, know, is working, despite the fact that we live in different time zones. Let me tell you about this man, Jason Hewlett, certified speaking professional, Speaker Hall of Fame member. He talks to the top corporate events around the world with his message, The Promise, which is also the title of his new book as well. He combines powerful business meets personal mindset, shifting philosophy of The Promise uh, to make better leaders, better humans, better teammates, all that kind of stuff. He's a family man, a husband and a father of four beautiful children. I love on his website, he says, my hobbies include hiking in the mountains, writing music, playing with my kids and staring at my wife. That's love, y'all. That is love. He is a hysterical man with a beautiful message and values coming out the wazoo. I'm super excited for you to meet him. Let's bring him out right now. My man, Jason Hewlett
1: what an intro dude that was incredible i'm like geez, this is a real radio host what's going on man
0: that's it my brother you know i wanted you i had to feel like you were getting called out to center court with the jazz you know what i'm saying you got the purple behind you (laughs) center
1: court baby that felt right dude you're good at this man sweet james i think they said we needed to meet at nsa because we have glasses we have beards and we love to make people smile and so i think that's why we're pals yeah Yeah.
0: it is i believe it is simple as that we frequently try to complicate it more as humans but sometimes it just can be that simple
1: it's just that simple
0: (laughs) (laughs) my brother i'm super excited to hang out with you man thank you so much how things going over in salt lake city today
1: It's Lake like city's a little rainy this day as the winter's starting to roll in. There's leaves all over the ground and it's a beautiful time of year. The gigs for me, because they've fallen off for the last year and a half, have rolled back in. Whether it's in person or on the virtual. In fact, this very morning I did a virtual event for over a hundred leaders from a company that's less than 10 minutes from my house they wanted it virtual. So those are still (laughs) happening. And yet I flew to San Diego last week to speak to 200 travel professionals. So it's like coming along and it's awesome. But Salt Lake is great.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. At some point in time, you're like, you know, I'm just like right next door, right? It's like your friend that you're like, I think we're friends, but you never invite me to hang out. Right, that's kind of sometimes how these 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 local virtual gigs feel, where it's like you know I'm just like right over here, right? Like I can just like pop in.
1: A local <laughs> virtual gig—it's just an oxymoron, isn't it? It mm-hmm. Just seems so disturbing. But I'm yeah. thrilled that's an option and that people like it. And so, how about you, man? Remi- are, remind me where you are. are you Minnesota?
0: Minnesota, up yep. Twin yeah. Cities. <clears throat> Twin Cities over here. So you here. like
1: the purple, man. You like the purple,
0: exactly. Purple is one of my brand colors as well. So as you can tell, we you know we got the diner in here with the purple logos. It's on the book. So yeah, that's is uh, uh, even more that meets the eye that people knew about us, Jason. The, the similarities continue. <laughs>
1: there we go, man. Yeah.
0: brother, I'm super excited that you're here, Jason. This show is called Diner Talks with James. Now, I think the best conversations that we have in our lives occur late at night over the food that we shouldn't be eating with the friends that we never want to leave, and uh, and so I'm wondering as a kickoff uh, conversation, what are some of your favorite late night eatery moves? And now maybe maybe you're not someone who goes out super late anymore, but uh, and, and what not with the kids and stuff like that. But I'm wondering if you do, do you have a late night guilty pleasure move in the food department?
1: man you know when you have four kids and three of them are teens and you're just trying to make sure they're not doing insane things you don't go out as much anymore but yeah i did get to go out with a friend recently we went to buffalo wild wings oh, and that was go. rad you know and <laughs> i went i went with another pal to village inn but i can say this denny's used to be the spot so yes. how about yourself man
0: yeah yeah what what's what's your order at denny's do you remember what you used to get
1: moon's over my hammy ladies and gentlemen yes. oh yeah legit <laughs> just just sign the contract and then you're going right to the grave straight to the hospital moon's over my Moons
0: <laughs> Moons over my hand one of the best named dishes in uh in the modern world right it's up there with rudy judy fresh and fruity over at ihop <laughs> uh which brings uh, up to our first uh, our first sponsor uh, denny's no i'm not <laughs> the uh so yeah no i love i love that man you know i uh as far as the late night move here in the twin cities there isn't as much late night options you know i'm born and raised in new york where it's where the diners are and diners are 24 hours and you can get anything from a fine steak to a bowl of oatmeal at any time of the day. And some of them have a weird bar behind there too. I don't know who's drinking, but uh, not me. I'm getting a milk uh, chocolate milk, but, uh, but still uh, but yeah, that that's uh, late at night. I'm, I'm either doing, I do, I do pancakes. I do grilled cheese with bacon. Um, and uh, so, yeah, those are, those are usually my late night moves, but if I am at a Denny's, moons over my hammy is my move
1: grilled cheese with bacon that is legit <laughs> so <I've, laughs> I definitely need to indulge in this fashion a little bit more because for the longest time in my career I've had a challenge with my my weight in terms mm-hmm. of even people telling me you need to lose weight if you're going to be an entertainer on a stage and that's just been offensive obviously but mm-hmm. so I've constantly been on a diet so if I go right now to Denny's I'm literally ordering that V.I.B. breakfast thing, where it's like, I I literally say to them, can you give me four of the omelets, just the eggs with the cheese, and then I need like four helpings of bacon, and they're like, are you trying to kill yourself? And I'm like, or just give me a Moon's over my hammy. (laughs) So that's my diet. It's just all protein all the time. Yeah, yeah. that because I've been working out trying to lose some weight and it's like this constant struggle you know that I've had so it's interesting
0: yeah it is as has weight been something that you have always had a uh an up and down relationship with like since you were younger and stuff like that
1: no not when I was a kid when I was a kid I could eat everything you know and then I then I became an adult and then I got a job in Las Vegas as a Ricky Martin impersonator sure now when you're a Ricky Martin impersonator there is a lot of expectation such as perfect fitness for example and so I was maybe 10 pounds overweight in the eyes of the producers and so I had to starve myself and this is a story I don't share pretty much ever but yeah I mean that's why we're diner talk here right and so I'm just saying like it, it created this weird, uh, I, don't, I don't know if it's an eating disorder in me, but it became this obsession where I'm like, I constantly have to be so careful. And it almost jacked up my, me- my metabolism to, mm-hmm. this, uh, to this place where it was like my body was constantly like, can we hang on to this or should we burn it off? What should we do with this? So my body has been fighting for 20 plus years since I was a Las Vegas entertainer in a show where they said, you have to lose weight, or you're going to get fired. That's a true story. That's crazy that somebody would say that. And you know, you hear that mostly with the women's stories, but th- that's a real thing with men, especially in a Las Vegas show.
0: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's fascinating. You really don't hear that as much with men because I mean, in general, men don't talk about uh, self-esteem and self-esteem body related issues as much. Uh, we're kind of taught to make fun of ourselves and stuff it in the lump in our throat and keep it pushing. I'm not really not really talk about it. (laughs)
1: That's right. That's true, man And it's a shame because I think a lot of guys are going through that where they're just like looking at themselves or dissatisfied with how they've Become and you know, it's like is there either a way that we can do something about it? Or can we accept what we are and you know wear the dad bod proudly and you know unless it's like literally affecting your health if it's affecting your mental health, maybe you need to do something about that, whether it's mm-hmm. therapy or, or you know, do maybe going on the diet. But I'll tell you, to, to set a goal and have a diet is just a pain in the butt. That's When it, when it finally changed for me is when I finally made promise to myself that I'm just going to sweat every day. If I'll sweat every day, I'm probably going to eat better every day. Mm-hmm. And that was when my body started to change, and it's, it's constantly this thing where I'm trying to make it right. And I I actually enjoy it. It's actually now for me, working out, oh, yeah. I mean, I feel good about myself, you know. I'm like, (laughs) yeah. even if it's like my arms look awesome, but my belly's like, you know, the drunk guy at the party. You're like, get out of here, man, you know. (laughs) (laughs) So that's my body. My my (laughs) arms are incredible. My shoulders, my legs, and my stomach's like, hey, guys, let's go (laughs) do something stupid. Yeah.
0: Arms that's of a starting quarterback, uh, gut of a gamer. Um, Dude, yeah. that's right,
1: man. It's just what it is. Yeah,
0: it's uh, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> yeah. But that's 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 beautiful though. That I mean that you've been like, hey, if I if I do this, I know that my. Uh, you know, I feel more physically fit. Yes, I also feel more mentally fit, um, and that, that's uh, yeah, that, that's that's cool that you found a system that that's worked for you. I would say that you know my relationship with my weight has definitely been uh, has been complicated. It's a it's a conversation that I bring up routinely with my counselor. Um, it's something that I'm you know trying to work past of like why why can i not break these patterns um and they're, they're so deeply entrenched and so that that is work that i'm currently in the process of doing and uh, i'm excited to uh continue to do because it, it's time brother it's time
1: yeah man yeah. and you know the thing is is that my my family my you know some of my siblings my my uh, parents and so forth weight's been a thing you know and so mm-hmm. when it becomes that conversation where it's only about negativity that's a that's a challenge to work around. And so now I'm a father and I have children who are saying to themselves, well, I'm fat. And I'm like, dude, you are not fat. What is the deal? And so as we as we try to improve ourselves, how do we make it so that our children and those that are around us aren't like getting all that bad stuff, but instead are getting the good and saying, Oh, look at dad. He's like waking up at 5 a.m. and working out. That's that's amazing, you know, instead of mm-hmm. just like He's doing it because he hates himself. You know, that's my favorite, my favorite joke. I think it's Jim Gaffigan where the doctor, where he says it's something like he's, how does it go? He's like, the, yeah, the doctor said that I'm overweight and, uh, if uh, you know if if I have a problem with you know eating or something and I say no and he says D- don't you stop eating when you're full and I say no I stop eating when I hate myself <laughs> so, <laughs> I just love that, so true. So anyway, that's where we're
0: no, at. I stop eating when I hate myself. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I can so relate to that.
0: Anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. That is. It, it's also interesting. You bring up a, a cool point there, also about like what are we, what are we teaching those that are around us, um, and and some of that, some of that language and some of that shame. Right. It is. Uh, it is so easy to pass on the shame, uh, and I know, I know that is something that was passed on to me. Um, right as I as I as I listen to the way that my parents talk, uh, that is definitely something that that narrative was picked up, um, and uh, it is it is hard to shake those patterns. Um, uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's cool that you've done that. And also, you know, we got to go back to something, brother, because you know we're not just going to let it slide that you are a Ricky Martin impersonator. Uh, <laughs> talk about. <laughs> Uh, you know, I thought you were going to tell me that, you know, one of the requirements was skin the color mocha as he starts doing the moves. Um. That's it. I'm glad this is a fun moment for you. I'd hate to be re up tra- uh, trauma. But uh, the uh, talk about a job that you probably couldn't get today, but for the best reasons. Like, ideally, they're not hiring tall white men to be Ricky Martin impersonators in 2021.
1: Oh, man. I mean, look at <laughs> when we think about, like, cancel culture and stuff. I mean, holy heck. I I don't know how that one happened, but here's the thing. I looked enough like him apparently back when I was in my early 20s and he Mm -hmm. was the hottest thing on the planet. What was interesting to me about that James is that I did grow up not with the weight issue but I did grow up with the ugly issue Mm -hmm. and everyone everywhere I went would always say how ugly I was. I actually talk about this in my book and the, the thing about the ugly was. Obviously, I did all these silly faces and these things with my eyebrows and my nose and stuff that anyone that's watching is like, what was that? Well, that's not a glitch. That's like what I figured out I could do. And people would either laugh or they would say it's ugly or both. Mm -hmm. And so for me to go from the kid that graduates high school with confidence in my capabilities and yet thinking literally that I'm ugly because I've been told I've been ugly my whole life, yeah. to now Las Vegas producers and owners of impersonator shows saying you know what you look like the most handsome man in the world you should be <laughs> I'm like what they're like you could be a Ricky Martin impersonator I'm like what are you talking about <laughs> and they showed me how to shade my my makeup and how to mm-hmm. you know it's before the beard and how to do the moves and how to sing a little bit the next thing I know I'm the top Ricky Martin impersonator in the world and there were many when we were doing this back when he was hitting it hard and he was all over the place. Oh yeah. But yeah man it was that was a wild experience to to come out on stage and do the La Vida Loca live in La Vida Loca and try to sing in Spanish and English and do some uh-huh. of this stuff and dance with the ladies and and then I'd come down off the stage and women would give me all kinds of crazy stuff. It was amazing. They wanted my autograph, but not me. They wanted me to sign it as Ricky Martin, which I was like, I think this is illegal, but oh well, you know, (laughs) I'll sign your forehead.
0: (laughs) I'll sue the company before me. I'll be fine. (laughs) So
1: so yeah, I mean, if we're bringing all the, the truth up at a diner, that's what I would tell you is that, yeah, it was bizarre to go from, the kid who was being told he was ugly his whole life to then all of a sudden being the most beautiful man in the world or at least impersonating him and going, what's wrong with this picture? How do we see ourselves, you know? Like, what's wrong with this picture? uh, And I teach that now with my ICM process where I teach people identify, clarify, magnify and people have to clarify for us what we don't see in
0: ourselves. Mm. Mm, Yes. That uh, I love that <clears throat> the ICM process the, the, the and what what a juxtaposition it is to go from thinking you're the ugliest person in the world to being a Ricky Martin impersonator. Would you say that after that experience um, would like after that did you see yourself as more handsome? Did you see yourself as like ah maybe I'm maybe I'm okay or you're like or is it I'm only handsome when I'm you know doing the contour makeup and I'm doing the... okay. Yeah. That
1: was it. Yeah. i take once, off
0: I'm going to take off the handsome every night.
1: Once I put on the makeup, I was like, "Boom, I am the sexiest man alive." It's very much like a Halloween costume yeah. where, you know, you've got Jim this shy Carrey, person. The mask. Yeah, you got this shy person like Jim Carrey and all of a sudden he's like, smoking. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I'm just like, "Oh my gosh. I guess I can put on a character and feel better about myself." But yeah, I've had to work through a whole lot of that stuff, man with therapy or with performance or with discussions with friends and other things that it's been uh, it's been interesting but I'll tell you being a Ricky Martin impersonator was cool and then and it wasn't cool and uh, you know what else was funny they thought not only can you be Ricky Martin but you can equally be Elton John and I was like (laughs) what? because you look at Elton John and Ricky Martin there is no similarity whatsoever in their look at all Yep. And so I found out that if I put my glasses on the right part of my nose, I have the same nose, button nose as Elton John. And I had a little space in my teeth that I just colored in a little bit more. I put the earrings in, I put on the big feather boa and the outfit. Man, it was spit and image stuff, it's crazy. But if you do, if you do the mannerisms, what I call the signature moves of the artist, then the next thing you know, you can transform into them. And that's how I now teach leadership. I just say, hey, you have signature moves that make you uniquely you, and these are some that I can do an impersonation of. But how would I impersonate you? Yeah. That's your promise to share it with the world. So that was mm-hmm. a cool way to start my career was to be both characters, and I would I would be on stage as Elton John first playing the piano. I remember when I was young. Me and Susie had so much fun. La 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 la. la. And then I'd run off stage. Switch into the Ricky Martin gear and come out on stage upside inside out, living a vida loca, and everyone's like, "That that guy's awesome." Who is that man? Yeah, who's right. that man? And they were like, "Where's the Ricky Martin guy? Where's the Elton John guy?" They didn't know it was me when I yeah. would meet them if I was in one character or the other. It was amazing.
0: Wow. Yeah. Which yeah speaks to the uh, the commitment that you had and and the look uh, that you provided. That's that's and obviously the talent of the impersonation. That's yeah. uh, that's incredible. And you did see
1: me. <laughs> you I think you saw me do some Elton John probably at the NSA thing, and that was fun to pull that old uh, bag of tricks out. Which mm-hmm. I don't get to do that much anymore because what keynote speech opportunity has a piano sitting there? Right. And it's very rare. So, yeah, you got to see yeah. a very unique performance, if you Yeah,
0: will. it's funny because most of my, I think you would agree with this, most of my keynote speech opportunities come with a feather boa. I just <laughs> don't have the piano. So I'm like, well, I guess I can do that. So, oh well. <laughs>
1: He's got a feather bow in his back pocket at Bold, all times. If only this man a had a
0: piano to to do something with this, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so fun, so fun. Yeah, you know what's funny? I watched you perform uh, the Elton John, and I yeah. thought to myself, "It's a little bit funny," <laughs> and that's all I thought about it. Um, but <laughs> that's a so great uh, line. That's it's, so uh, no, it's uh oh man, that's incredible. Uh, <laughs> The the uh, the idea that you made your money as an impersonator is fascinating because, I mean, we obviously you you see the Elvis people you see. I mean, Vegas is Vegas is a fascinating, fascinating town with all the impersonators that are there. Um, And uh, we all know the phrase fake it till you make it. But if all you ever do is fake it, you never really make it. Um, And so at some point in time. We, you know, we take off the costume, we take off the whatever, and we're the, you know, we're the ugly kid who's looking for his car in the parking lot right? In our, in our own brain. Um, no, nothing's changed. You know, I had, I had an opportunity to be on TV recently and co-host a local show here in the Twin Cities. And, uh, and and then I, you know, took off the mic and came home and my baby was absolutely wailing and it just shit everywhere. And, uh, and I was like, well, nothing, no, it doesn't matter that I was on, like, literally nothing matters. We're back in it. And we're right? like, you know, like, it's just, it was a beautifully humbling moment of like, always feel free to get over yourself um, and, and, but in, but in the best way. Um, and so it's interesting because, you know, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts of what is the balance between owning your super move um, and accepting some of the flaws underneath, right. As you, as you teach others and as you, even and maybe for yourself, because you know, your own super, super moves, right. But you can't, you can't pull up to Arby's like a Velociraptor and be like, "No, this is my super move, though." Um, right? Like, <laughs> like at some point in time, you gotta, you just, you know, you just need your uh, whatever. I can't think of an Arby's product right now. Your curly fries and and, <laughs> and keep it moving. So I'm curious for you, like, you know, how do you find that balance? How do you teach that balance?
1: That's a great question, and you're so funny. You know, if I were to pull up and I do that sometimes, I go to Arby's and I'm like, "I'll just have roast beef." <laughs> you know, just throw it at me. It's awesome. No, um, no, that that's the. I'll just have beef and cheddar. <laughs> so,
0: it, beef and cheddar.
1: <laughs> so here's how I would respond to that. It's that. People see us in a certain light, we see ourselves in a certain light. Is there a way to bridge that gap? And I believe it's in a place called forgiveness. Mm. And if we can forgive the thoughts that we have of ourselves and the thoughts that others may place upon us that we may not believe or we don't accept, I mean, there's a, there's a weird feeling when you're famous to a certain degree. I've felt little levels of fame in my life, and that's been interesting. Because you can't believe that that's truth, that people are coming up to you and wanting your autograph and all this picture stuff, because it's just like you said. You're on the TV, and you come home, and the reality hits. I've had events where I was in front of 10,000 people in a stadium, they loved me, standing ovations over and over again, and then I literally walk backstage, and I've gotten locked out of the dressing room, <laughs> <laughs> and I can't even convince the security guard to help me. Yeah. And so th- there's always this there's always this place of forgiveness, but a place of true um, acceptance and gratitude for humility. And so if we can find that humility and be be Um, you know, be okay with who we are, what we've got, and equally strong enough to be able to share that which we we know that we have because others have told us. Then that becomes a part of our promise to share with the world what it is that we are. And equally to say it's okay if I don't live up to what they expect or what I thought I was going to keep of a promise for myself today. Mm -hmm. And I teach a lot of leaders that that very principle that hey you know what uh the the superhero the superpower and all of that maybe you don't see that in yourself but you can forgive yourself of that have humility and be grateful for what you've got and still share it
0: yeah yeah i think that was beautiful <clears throat> i love that uh i love that line the the sometimes the re the relationship or the word that uh that can uh that can bring together uh, and make it to a beautiful situation that the view of others have us and the view that we have of ourselves. Uh, that word is forgiveness. I think that's, that's a, I, I just butchered your quote, but I'll go back and make sure it's right when I type it out. Um, but that, that principle <laughs> is, uh, is, is, is really, is really powerful. The, the idea that you went from being an impersonator in Vegas to what you do now as a professional speaker is not the craziest leap in the world, because there is there's entertainment on both sides, but at the same time it is quite a jump. And I, I kind of want to go back a little bit. You know, when did you know that entertainment was in your blood? Like were you were you that four-year-old grabbing the microphone at the party and, and crushing it uh, you know, outside outside of church? Were you, you know, like what, like what, like when when did Jason know that an, enter- an entertainer was inside of him and that was something that you really loved
1: that's cool man i mean when i was little it was right away i i was five years old making people laugh with the big the big mouth <laughs> the faces you know Wee herman was a star at the time so i was like hello everybody la, la, la. <laughs> and now it's illegal to do that but i'm yep, just saying yep, like yep. like i was able to do voices right away, so if I heard Mickey and Donald and Goofy, I was doing that, I was practicing. I'm like, how's Mickey Mouse doing that? Oh, oh boy, oh, 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 boy. Ha, hi everybody, Mickey Mouse here, uh, all right. Where's Goofy, oh, hi everybody. Goofy here, oh, yeah. where's Donald? You know, so I became that guy. <laughs> it was like wanting to laugh. And so I practiced it and I noticed that, yeah, people liked me because of that, that helped, you know? And never thought that it would be a career. I wanted to be an NBA basketball player, play for the Utah Jazz, that was my Mm -hmm. goal and dream. But eventually some teachers, some coaches, other people helped me to identify, clarify, and magnify, which is what I teach, my signature moves that have become what I have become and now I can teach it authentically. So it's ever since I was little, man. How about yourself? I mean, dude, you're a you're a legit, hilarious, insightful, profound speaker. Have Go you on. Shared? <laughs> 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 have you shared with your audience how it all like came to be?
0: I was born. Um, so I uh, <laughs> <laughs> I remember when I remember. Oh, no. Okay. Oh. Well, my—if you really want to know, my parents told me that I was conceived in Michigan, and uh, so that's where it technically started. But um, so, but yeah, I, um, yeah, no, I mean, there's there's videos of me at a very young age, at like it was it was at my grandparents' fiftieth uh, wedding anniversary. And they had rented out this lovely hall. It was Long Island, so there was mirrors everywhere because that's how you do it. And um, and so and it was during dinner. And I at some point decided I was done with dinner. But as as happens during formal events, during dinner they're playing like a smooth jazz or an instrumental. And so I'm there's just a video of me dancing. Slow dancing with myself around the whole thing, just, the, you know, and interacting with people. And uh, and if any time Paul Simon's You Can Call Me Al came on when I was younger, that's a song that my family knows. It's like, here goes James, uh, man goes walking down the street. So, uh, but yeah, so it's, uh, but yeah, and, and so that that's when a lot of it started, for sure. Um, How and old then, were
1: you, did you say? Did
0: that you... was, yeah, that was like probably, it was five-ish. Yeah. see yeah same I was yeah, I was a class clown super young um, and uh, I love that people called me weird when I was in elementary school. I used to, I used to have a weird counter where I would count how many times I got called weird that day but it would always be a compliment um, and uh, and so yeah so that was that was something because I, I don't know because I liked I knew that being different was cool at that point in time. There's been mo- other moments in my life where I didn't write that story because of whatever was happening inside of me chemically and middle school's weird and high school's hard sometimes um and there's times where you just wish you could fade to the back um but but at the same time being weird has always been a cool differentiator whether it was the voices or just the dashing wit in the back of class <laughs> and um and so uh but either way uh yeah, and then my parents could tell that I was passionate about comedy from a young age. And and my dad is, uh, you know, my dad's a man of tradition. And uh, he's like, well, if we're going to do comedy, we're going to do it right. And so he sat me down and we watched... A uh, lot of black and white stuff. All, you know, Sid Caesar, we're watching um, <clears throat> all the uh, uh, Laurel and Hardy, we're watching Charlie Chaplin, we're watching and everything, and everything all the way up. Rodney Dangerfield, boy, I tell you, all right. Um, uh, but, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> this girl told me to come over, there's nobody home. And I went over, there was nobody home. Um, <laughs> <and> so <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> So, yeah, you know, like, all that kind of stuff is when comedy – you know, and fell, fell in love with it all. Um, so yeah, it started from a young age and then was typecasted in all the high school plays as, you know, with the bombastic character, right? The major general in Pirates of Penzance, the, whatever, and such and such, you know, like that kind of stuff. So yeah, it started, it started young. I love it. See, and
1: <laughs> I think that <laughs> that's so great because, you know, I think that you're, for your viewers, your listeners that you know someone might be sitting there thinking well i haven't figured mine out yet how did these guys figure theirs out well no the truth is you you do know it Mm -hmm. you've been using it to get the job you have you've been using it to get the relationships you're in you've been using it to even maybe get out of the relationships you were in you know it's it's your signature moves it's that which makes you who you are your gifts your talents your attributes your skills And that's where identifying it for yourself and saying, these are some things that make me unique. That's what's so cool about you, James, is that you're just this incredible cumulative collaboration of all the things that you've discovered through your life that worked, that pushed some buttons, that equally brought people to you and that's how you connect. I mean, dude, it's so cool to see who you are now Mm -hmm. that you live your
0: promise. It's awesome. It's beautiful. And I think you know some of those signature moves. Those sometimes, if we're, if if I, I think that sometimes when we're stuck and we don't know where to go and what's happening and what is my signature move, signature move you know, when when you're in your own head, you're like, what am I even good at? Um, and you know, those those are the stories that we write. Uh, and and I think a lot of it goes back to some of those times when we were young and we weren't thinking about it, and we just we just doing things because they brought us joy, and and that we just. And so what were some of those things that, that we did that brought joy to other individuals and brought joy to us when we, when we weren't even thinking about it, when it didn't matter, when uh, a job wasn't on the line, when uh, dreams weren't on the line, responsibility wasn't necessarily upon us. Um, and, and often there's some nuggets in there that we could bring in. Uh, I tell, I've told the story on here before, but I, you haven't heard is that when I was younger – we had this stump in our front yard. We lived on a corner and there was a stump on a corner. And, uh, and I used to ask my mom, I said, mom, could we go outside and sit on the stump so I could wave at people and ask them how their days are going as they walk by? And like, that's just what I wanted to do, right? It was an innocent, just like that's who I am. But like from an early age, I wanted to meet people and wanted to know how they were doing and wanted to try to put a smile on their face and like. Some of those moments that we have when we were younger that we told friends who know us now, they'd be like, of course you used to do that. That is so you, Um, right? Like some of that stuff, those shoes still fit.
1: That is so beautifully said. I love that. (laughs) And you know what? That's why I wrote the promise to the one, the promise to yourself. And so for anybody that's listening and thinking, well, I don't know what I've got. I don't know what makes me unique or awesome well you've been using it forever or you hid it away in a drawer after somebody said it was ugly and you were a teen and you were like okay I'm gonna stop doing that one thing well can you have the permission by listening to someone like James or someone like myself and say okay I'm gonna step bravely back into what I was naturally good at whether it's you know I mean a lot of artists out there that have been stymied by the teacher who's like I don't know what that is and they're like it's a picture of you and then they're ruined right and so (laughs) bring back the art man sing the song go do the dancing come up with the problem and create a solution invent something create something write the book that's in you I mean this stuff is just it seems like common sense that we're talking about it because we've been striving to live it ourselves but a lot of people are stuck in that space where they're just so you know criticizing themselves so much mm-hmm. where all we have to do is just set aside our doubts, set aside what other people may have criticized us for and say i'm going to step into this powerful place that i know i can and i'm going to do something about it and man dude think about it i mean i wrote a book like here's my book okay good looking book I, I guess what I failed English. Like, I was kicked out of English class. The teacher said to me the second day of class. I walked in and he goes, hey, you're a nice kid. I know you're the student body president of the school, so you're a, you're a leader of the school, but guess what? Reading and writing and that whole thing is not your deal. Mm-hmm. So go to study hall or go do something else. Book. Boom! How do we get there? Yeah." we don't care what people said in the past we say hey you know what I identify myself as a writer mm-hmm. and so I'm gonna write a book and, I, and then we do and that's when we make a promise and keep it and that, that's what I teach
0: yeah yeah that's beautiful you know when we think about where some of those people get stuck a lot of times a lot of times it's because they think their ship has sailed Right, the moment has happened, um, and like, well, that was for some. You know, back when I was in my teens or my twenties, when I was a dreamer and life was possible. Uh, right, and we and we tell ourselves some of those those kind of stories of like that was, and then it's the then it's the regret or the resentment uh, sometimes of other people that are chasing it. Uh, but obviously, there's countless stories of people who start at every single age. Um, and, and so that's that's not necessarily one that we need to, to write. There's also another story that I've noticed that a lot of times, I wonder if you have any friends that, that do this, but a lot of times people, when they become parents, they believe in order to be a good parent, quote unquote, that it's no longer about them and it's only about their children. It's no longer about their dreams. It's only about their children's dreams, their opportunity to fulfill their own promise, uh, or their own, you know, dreams to themselves or whatever, um, is, is coming gone. And in order to be a good parent and you know, I need to, have, they, they feel like they need to tuck it all away and just focus up. What would you say to someone like that?
1: I would say that that's normal to feel that way Yeah. and good for you feeling that passionate about your child and your responsibility and your stewardship. Mm -hmm. But since you've now gone to full screen here, James, I'm going to show you a picture of my family. There's my family. These are the most important people in my world. I love them. They each have their own little signature moves that make them unique and awesome, right? Mm -hmm. And so even though they have those signature moves, I have to still not only help them within theirs, but equally keep my promises to me as an individual because if we burn out then we are no good for these people and so what are the promises that we can make and keep for us I know that I'm a better dad for these beautiful children if not only I help them to achieve their dreams but I also help myself to achieve mine that means I'm waking up early and doing my workout and I'm like yeah I feel good about myself and then I can deliver more to the people that I love. Now there might be a young parent out there who's like, I'm just trying to survive, man, my kids are crazy. There are seasons of life that we are all in. And so right now I'm in the season of life where each child has to be up at a different hour in order to get to school on time. I am the mornings guy, so Mm -hmm. from 5.30 to 8.30 every morning I'm helping my children get up, get breakfast, do the deal, get to school on time, And how can I balance my life through that? I've found that there's a way to sit down and write in my journal because that brings me joy. I can read my scriptures to the children while they're eating the breakfast I just made them. I can still fill my own bucket and fill theirs at the same time and a lot of the time, you know, what they're talking about fills me. And so I hope that that answers the question in some regard for some people that are like, "How how do I balance this? In reality, there's not much of balance to it. It's a matter of fitting in what works, when it works, where it does. I mean, even if you're like, you're the tired, exhausted mom that can't get any rest because the baby's up all night, maybe your one moment for the day is to pop in the headphones and just dance in the kitchen for a minute to some Mm -hmm. music, and that's your moment of relief, of joy, that thing that brings you happiness, and you can then dance around with the baby. And then eventually they'll dance with you when they're older.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I love that. And I think you, you hit on a key word and called it out appropriately, balance. A lot of times we feel like balance is the goal. But if balance is the goal, then we've set an impossible goal to reach. Right. Um, and and, and, and that, that's not the goal um and so it, it just can't be uh and so I, I love the way that you spoke about that
1: yeah i mean as far as i know i've never found balance in really anything all i've ever done is realize that you know while i'm focused on my physicality and so forth maybe some of the uh, mental things that i should be focusing on are going to slip a little and mm-hmm. so then i'm like well i'm going to focus on this physical stuff for a little bit or maybe my social stuff will maybe just not be perfect at that moment. And other times I might want to go to the diner with my friend James and hang out more because I need that, then the physical I'm going to work out all day every day instead.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That, that That's just the seasons of life that we can find ourselves in and accept that that's where we're at and then say and part of our promise is to be fully present in that moment. If we can be fully present then we can Feel better about it and be happy. It's mm-hmm. that's really what we're trying to do here.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I agree. You know, another big key piece to to happiness and to feeling happy, feeling fulfilled, et cetera, et cetera, is is integrity. Um, and having integrity is uh, is important. It, it's uh, it's truly the it's it's the mast for our sailboat, um, and and it allows us to be uh, stand up and, and, and wake up every morning and be like, you know what? I did my best to go to bed every night and be like, you know what? I did my best. And, and, and it's just, and it's still, I, I tell myself when I wake up that I did my best. Uh, cause I think it's important to, you know, after each night of sleep to be like, Hey, oh, you know, that's pretty good. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but still, <laughs> but either way it is, uh, it is, it's a powerful word. And, Developing integrity means sticking to our values, and this is something that is uh, this is something that you are very outwardly spoken about in a really beautiful way. Um, you are a, a deeply religious man, um, and uh, and and it is uh, the way that you speak about it is always powerful. And on, on, on LinkedIn or Instagram or, or wherever it is, um, even even on the stage. Um, and so uh, to the point where when you first sent out your book, I, I now own your book um, and have read it. But at first I was like, ah, this might be uh, the promise to God and we're going <laughs> to learn about it right now. Um, and that's okay. Cause I'm going to support my boy and we go learn about it. And, uh, and so, but I wasn't sure. Right. It's got this majestic mountain. I don't know who's behind the mountain, Jason, maybe you are, um, but either way, um, <laughs> so who's the, behind the mountain, you're, you're so you? funny. <laughs> <that> <laughs> (laughs) So, yeah, uh, (laughs) the leader and um, (laughs) the leader, the claw. Um, (laughs) But uh, but either way, uh, it's 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 impressive to me because, you know, they tell you in conversations, you know, don't bring up politics. Don't bring up religion. Don't bring up this, that and the other thing. And a lot of times we're also told this as business individuals um, is, you know, that we're told not to not to bring up something that may rub someone the wrong way. Right. And there, and there may be some people out there who are like, Oh God, religious, make religious. And over here, here we go. Jason Hewlett. Oh, like, am I supposed to go to, you know, whatever before a confessions, <laughs> or, you, know, and, you know, people, whatever they think about religion, um, you know, and then there's, <laughs> there's a way for that to turn people off. And I remember this, you know, especially around you know I, i'm very passionate about a lot of social justice issues and outspoken about a lot of them online um and and i had a my uncle recently was like hey you may want to tone down the way you talk about that you know some of your clients may not appreciate or that may that may make some people not want to book you because they're like oh is he going to come and stand on our stage and say that um and whatnot and i remember that moment being like no (laughs) like this is this matters too much um right and like if that client doesn't want me that probably means that client actually needs me um but that doesn't necessarily mean i'm gonna get hired um but still uh but i'm wondering for you to to wrap this all back in here um how how did you go about making the decision having conversations maybe you know with your wife or with your team who's Uh, or or whoever just yourself um, the one um, how did you have that conversation where it's like you know what I'm not going to be afraid to be outwardly passionate about my religious beliefs
1: that's a great setup you're so funny quite quite a Uh, long journey
0: let's take (laughs) a big gulp of water together
1: (laughs) (laughs) okay so yeah you you opening the book trust me you're not the first that thought when I say the promise to the one lots of people thought I was going with God on that one and you could I mean hey I do that in a religious you know setting for youth when I speak and and so forth but no the one is you as you pointed out the one is yourself so the promise to yourself is the most important in my opinion because then you can keep the promise to your customer your team your family your God, your community, you name it, you can keep your promises all across the board if you keep them to you. And so, yeah, when it comes to the integrity of sharing about my religious beliefs, I mean, James, you're right. I have lost opportunities because people found out where I live and then they assumed what I must be. And so when somebody says I'm from Utah, you know, I I do this whole routine on the stage. I think you've heard it where I say, you know to an audience of New Yorkers let's say I go hey you guys heard I'm from Utah so you must be assuming that I'm a skier and they laugh and then I say I'm just kidding I don't ski but my wives do. Dude that kills. That kills. Joke is fire every and then time. I say I'm just kidding they don't have skis but here's the point you know <laughs> and so I know what they're thinking, you know, and yeah, of course, I've, you know, I grew up in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, which is known as the Mormons, and so I I make fun of the, the signature moves that people know us for, the stereotypes, mm-hmm. just like I make fun of the stereotype of performing for accountants, and I know even though they're not laughing outside of their body they're loving my <laughs> impressions <laughs> and so that i mean we me can... feel better by the way Thank you. I, just <laughs> yeah. re- I
0: recently spoke to a financial division i was like man this is crickets
1: <laughs> that's what it's about so so to, to bring it back to where uh, where we're going here i share because i've been given courage by those who have in the past mm. and i also have seen those who haven't shared who regret not having done so in other words, they're, they're hiding their own self, their own DNA. James, I was, I mean, I have pioneer heritage in my church. My great-grandfather was the president of the Mormon Tabernacle Choir for 30 years and they won a Grammy under his presidency. I mean, like, I have this in my blood. And so when you read about that in my book, it wasn't like a preachy thing, it was just a reality. Yeah. And I remember hearing comedians like, you know, Jerry Seinfeld joke about being Jewish, and, and these Catholic comedians that would joke about never going to church because they're Catholic. And I thought, well, if they can say that, what can I say about being a deeply religious guy who reads a, a book that's called Mormon? I mean, it's very mm-hmm. interesting to be able to share it without it being preachy. And I think that's the important part, is that I'm not going to preach at you I'm going to just tell you what is for my life and how it can affect you in your life. So the more you know about my reality and where I'm coming from, why I stand on the foundation I do, that can help you to understand yours and define it for yourself. Whether you are a Baptist, you're a Buddhist, you're atheist, I don't care what you believe. What I care is that you believe in yourself and do something about it. Yeah.
0: That's so beautifully put. You know, Jason, I don't know if you knew this about me. I'm born and raised in New York, went to school down in North and South Carolina for undergrad and graduate school. And in the South, the second question you get asked after, how are you today? Uh, Or how y'all doing? Um, Is, is uh, what church do you go to? Right. If they've never met you before, how y'all doing? And what church do you go to? Um, And, and like, and that's, that's, that's question number two or three. Um, And as someone who, uh, is not religious, uh, that was always like, Oh God, here we go. Another person's gonna, I mean, I'm either about to get preached to, I'm about to try to get, uh, con- a conversion attempt, um, or I'm, or, or I'm about to get judged or maybe all three sometimes, but some people are good. Um, and so, but it is, uh, it's interesting because in a lot of those conversations that I had with folks, You know, the way that they try to quote unquote convince me was like, well, you know, in the Bible, it says blank. And I was like, you know, I have to believe in the book that you're reading from in order to like you got it's it's a few more steps that need to happen. And so this is what I respect about the way that you post um, and and the way that you share about it, because it is what you just said. It's never like, hey, you do this. (laughs) Come over we um, Get in right? the water! Come get in the, wa- the water! <laughs> Come on! Let's go get in the water! Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. All your words don't start ending in th, right? Um, <laughs> and so it is. Uh, it is. It, but yeah, and and the integrity that you have about it with your business um, is uh, is is beautiful, right? That, that this is this is what it is, and you either want it or uh, you either want it or you don't. Um, And if you don't, I question why um, in a lot of those things. Um, So many people don't lean into things that make them uncomfortable. Understandably, no one's like, can't wait to feel uncomfortable today. But yet at the same time, that moment, that moment is beautiful. But instead, it's like quick, like walls go up. That's not for me. I'm out of here. As opposed to what if I asked another question? What if I just just gave a little bit more time to the moment uh, as opposed to this makes me uncomfortable. It goes against what everybody on my Facebook feed says. Um, so I got, I got to go. Um, so I, I appreciate the way that you talk about it and the way that you carry yourself.
1: Well, that's nice of you, man. And I'm sorry you've been through that because I think everybody's been through that in their own right. And it leads us to different places perhaps. But I'll tell you, as somebody who was a full-time missionary for two years in Brazil I've spent my whole youth saving money to be able to pay for myself to go and do that service for Brazilians and I had to learn Portuguese and I had to live on next to nothing to make it work and I had to live with a guy that I mostly hated most of the time that we'd walk around in ties and and then we were trying to figure out how to speak the language and eventually you'd get another companion who was a nice person I mean it was a crazy experience But I'll tell you what, the more I preached and taught about the gospel of what I believe, which is of Christ, the more I realized that a sign like yours behind you right now really is important. It really matters. Whether I believe it or not, you believe it, and so I can respect you, I can can, uh, endorse you as the human being that I know and love, you know, just from our interactions. Mm -hmm. There's no judgment there, and so whether I agree with you 100% or I'm far away from you, I can still be your friend, I can still, you know, keep a promise to myself to be like, what, do, what can I see that's great about this person? Because every person I feel has something wonderful about themselves. Yeah. And, you know, I, I became, I think, a little more brave in my posting um, when, when people started to acknowledge that they would say, gosh, I was worried it was going to be some kind of preachy thing. Instead it's just facts, you know, that you do this and that's what you are. And we're, we're probably both fans of Penn and Teller, but Penn Gillette, I, I believe he's atheist, but he said some kind of quote that I'm gonna botch, but you could probably Google it. He said something to the degree of like, obviously I don't believe in a God and I don't believe in that stuff, but. If I know somebody believes that, and they do not preach it or share it with me, with their belief system that it might save or help me, then I feel really bad about myself and our relationship because they never even said anything. They must hate me so much Mm. that they don't want me to even know what's possible for me. And that's why he always said to himself i'm okay with somebody saying a little something extra in that vein there's a really interesting quote about it i don't remember what it is but that's when i started posting more like this is just my life and this is just what's beautiful about me just like what's beautiful about you Mm -hmm. and so that's part of the promise is to share that and james i have lost work because of it and that's okay just like you said you know you're like well uh i'm not changing that just because you said i shouldn't do it that's when i think we need to lean in even more if we believe it we need to say okay that's part of my integrity i'm going to keep the promise to share it and yeah i've gotten calls from clients that are like hey wait a minute where are you flying in from utah are you and i'm like yes and then they're like oh we can't have you come because of that and that's the end of the conversation that happens quite a bit persecution is real in this world right now and it's not just happening at the different demographics and so forth that we hear all the time it happens it, it happened to me recently actually it's just mm-hmm. what it is
0: yeah 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 I'm sorry that happened to you brother um, it, it, it is what it is uh, is it uh, is true uh, but at the same time there's uh, there's movement right we don't need to throw our hands up and be like well I guess we'll catch them next coming to Christ um, right like <laughs> <laughs> or whatever we'll catch him. We'll catch him after the next meteor hits earth, um, or, you know, whatever, <laughs> whatever, right? Like it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's, uh, so yeah, I don't know. There's still, there's still, there's still stuff that can be had <laughs> and conversations that could be had. You know, when we go back to this idea of, of the promise, um, it is, it's a powerful place To commit to oneself, and and I define commitment as patience plus persistence, Um, and 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 so uh, so with that, uh, with with laying my definition onto you, um, you're welcome. Uh, I I like that. I'm (laughs) curious. Yeah, yeah,
1: patience plus persistence. I like that. Commitment is
0: patience. Yeah, it's patience because growth is a process. And it's persistence because growth is a process. Um, and so when we come into this idea of the promise, um, I'm wondering, I'm wondering, you know you talked about forgiveness. I'd love to hear you talk a little bit of, about a powerful word called grace. You know, we have a lot of mental health things that are going on in our world, and a lot of it, a lot of us are writing stories about ourselves and whatnot. I'd be curious to hear your your thoughts on the word grace and and where does grace come in? to your life in regards to yourself. You know, we can go back to uh, when those moments where you walk off stage, take off the Elton John glasses or the Ricky Martin makeup, and all of a sudden you were, you know, ugly, quote unquote, ugly in your eyes again. Um, or maybe it was, uh, you know, maybe it was a moment where, uh, you know, you didn't get a part that you thought you would get, and then you're like, well, I'm stupid, I'm not qualified, I'm this, I'm whatever. Or, you know, I'm, I'm curious to hear your thoughts about that word.
1: Now it fits yeah. into
0: what you talk about
1: wow i have i have not been asked that question and that's a great one um when it comes to grace i would say as as we feel about ourselves is how we will act and what we will do we can put on a mask but we need to intrinsically begin to somehow believe that we do have something more i'll tell you when the pandemic hit and lost all my gigs Uh, and then everyone's saying you're a non-essential worker and I felt that. I was like maybe I am unessential in everything. Mm. This is where grace happened for me James and maybe this will help someone who's listening or watching. I decided to just walk and work. So when I wasn't working at trying to go virtual for options of audiences to have a virtual speaker, instead I went walking. I think I walked anywhere from 6 to 10 miles per day. And it was March, which in Utah is like March in Minnesota. (laughs) Freezing to death. And so I started walking. I would walk with my headphones in and I would speak into my voice memo recorder on my phone. I wouldn't be listening to music usually. Maybe I'd call my mom and talk to her. But Grace came into play one night when I was walking and I just kept walking through my neighborhood so, so far that I didn't even notice, because I would go at night after I'd worked for 18 hours that day. I'd usually get up at four in the morning, work all day until 10 or 11 at night, and then I'd go on an eight to 10 mile walk. And so I, that's what I did during the pandemic just to survive mentally and emotionally. As I'm walking and I'm talking to myself, trying to make it so that I can believe that I am essential to somebody, to something. Mm-hmm. As I'm walking, i'm talking and eventually i realized i was at the end of my city i didn't know how long i had walked but i i literally was outside of the city limits and i'm like where am i oh no As and Forrest i forest gump
0: runs past you
1: <laughs> exactly that's what it was for Gumps like want to join me and so i i turn around i start walking back and all of a sudden i hear A dog barking and I look around I'm like what is the dog what is a dog doing out here because there was nothing except for a couple of foundations of homes at the end of our city yeah and I all of a sudden as I'm hearing this dog bark and I'm like that's not a normal bark it's some craziness and I'm I'm feeling bad about myself that I have nothing to offer the world I walk over and I look down in the foundation a newly poured foundation it was firm The dog was just stuck down there, not trapped in the cement, but just it was too deep for the dog to jump out. And I go, hey, are you stuck? And he goes, yes, help me, you know, he's just barking at me. And so I'm like, hey, let me help you out. James, I had my voice memo recording this conversation. I climb into the window well, I climb down, the dog leaps up to me. It's a little pug, you know, a pug's legs are so small, leaps up. And I I go, oh, hey, buddy, here you go. And I shoved him up out of the window well, which was taller than me. It was like seven foot deep window well. I climb out of the window well, assuming the dog has just run back home. Instead, he's waiting for me. And he just starts licking me and and hugging me. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I guess I'm essential like to, to that little dog. Mm -hmm. And that is just totally like the starfish story. I know that. Starfish? I was going to say. But I'll tell you what, (laughs) that was my own original starfish was Mm -hmm. this pug offering me grace. And I believe that the universe, God, you name it, the moment that I realized I still can do something even if it's just for this pug that I'll never see again. And it was in that moment that I was like, I can offer myself some extra grace today that I can still serve, I can still look around, I can still take an iPod out or an AirPod out and listen, look around, serve somebody, Mm -hmm. help someone, not be so worried about me. And that's where grace comes in, is when we serve, we we hear, we appreciate others,
0: and we pay attention. Woo! Let's go, (laughs) my guy! Let's go! Go out here saving pugs' lives while nailing points. This is it, y'all. This is a moment, uh, Jason. What a what a crazy story. Um, uh, so i uh, sorry. I mean, this is this is not the point of that. But I I gotta know. Like, what did the pug just run home? Eventually, was there a number on the on the collar? <laughs> is the pug okay? What's going on with the pug here, Jason?
1: Pug <laughs> hugs me while I'm climbing out wipe, you know dusting myself off he goes yeah. thank you thank you and he like pawed and tried to hug me and I go oh hey good job and then all of a sudden he just went "Poof!" but he ran off and it. I just stood there like well that was amazing what, what was that all about <laughs> my yeah. gosh and and i don't know what happened to that bug maybe it crossed the street and it's dead i don't know but i'm just
0: (laughs) jumped into the next foundation yeah it's
1: like help help (laughs) but i'll tell you man that was an extraordinary moment for me because i came back late that night i sat there and i thought well i don't know if my family needs me i don't know if my Parents need me. I don't know if the world needs me anymore, but I guess that pug needed me. So maybe I should just be present to who needs me and then I'll, I can be essential. And that's how I offered myself some grace.
0: Yeah, <clears throat> that's beautiful. Grace is grace is one of those words that is something that I suggest to a lot of other people. But don't always do myself. Right. Like that's like I'm, I'm a pharmacist. I'm like you should you should have grace. Give yourself grace. And then but when it comes to me like you want some? like hey, hey, hey. I pass out the drugs around here, pal. OK, I don't take them. Um, and, uh, and and that's that's frequently uh, a word that I've tried to build a better relationship with. I'm doing it in counseling as I learn more about who I am and the perfectionist that is within me, according to my counselor. Uh, I ask, but am I a good perfectionist? Um, and uh, shouldn't appreciate that, um, but still, it is uh, it is it is still the thing that is, that evades me some days. And so, I really appreciate you sharing that. Um, that I appreciate you sharing that story, especially just in where we are, uh, the grace we have for ourselves uh, is is a powerful is a powerful thing. Because in order to in order to live that promise, in order to let yourself uh, write the story or rewrite the story, that this is the moment for you to use your, your, uh, your, your special move um, and and, and stuff like that. Like uh, that's, that's also, it's the forgiveness. It's the grace that like, it's okay that it hasn't happened yet. Um, So uh, I love that James. Good,
1: good, good way of saying it. And you know, that's why I think we enjoy coaching Mm -hmm. people too. I mean, as much as I like speaking, it's interesting to coach somebody and see them fail at the things we just talked about. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, why are you so hard on yourself? And then I'm like, Why am I so hard on myself? <laughs> you know? no. So you're totally right. That's what it's like the, it's like the echo about. game. Why are you
0: so hard on yourself? Why are you so hard on yourself? And <laughs> I
1: know you are, but what am I? <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah. So, dude, you're spot on with that, and that's true. That that is how I how I discuss it with the people I coach. In fact, when I'm coaching a, somebody who's trying to be a better speaker, or You know they're they're trying to figure out their legacy because i talk about promised legacy projects with ceos that are have just retired and they're trying to figure out what's next or somebody wants to become a speaker and i'm like hey forgive yourself it's okay have some grace for yourself and then i'm like what am i doing man so yeah it's helpful to be able to then say to that person hey you know what i struggle with that too Mm -hmm. so let's get through it together come on let's cheer each other
0: on yeah Let's go for a walk together in my neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, let's go let's find, find a dog. Let's find your pug. Find your pug. We're going to get t shirts, Jason. Find your pug. Find your pug. Um, <laughs> get, it's going to be great. <laughs> Jason, it has been such a, a pleasure. Uh, to talk with you, to learn with you, to laugh with you, uh, and to love with you. I really appreciate you, brother. Thank you so much for, for sliding into the diner. Do me a favor, man. Uh, do me a favor, let the people know where where can they stay in touch with you.
1: You know, I'm really on LinkedIn the most, I would say, and Facebook a little bit, and Instagram and Twitter and YouTube, and I'm I'm just messing, dude. I I prefer <laughs> LinkedIn and then uh, and then of, of course jasonhewlett.com and so, yeah, I mean, that's the place. But I think are, you and I are, we, we interact mostly on LinkedIn, yeah? Would that be the place, or where well, are you? LinkedIn, Instagram. Instagram,
0: yeah, Instagram is where we also, we've been known to uh, slide into each other's DMs. That's it, that's
1: it. So, <clears throat> that's it. Yeah, ma'am. I, I just know this. The social media has two words and most people focus on the second one. Mm-hmm. I'm focused on the first one. Uh, I think the sociality that, has been lost through the pandemic, is the opportunity to have conversations like this with people that we really respect and admire. That's why I like being here with you right now, and that's what's fun about having a social experience with people we've never met, but we can through social media. And so, you know, whenever I'm on there, I try to connect with people as best as I can. So that's part of my promise.
0: That's beautiful, brother. Thanks so much for hanging out with me in the diner today, man, it means the world. Thank my you. man, I appreciate you, dude. Y'all, that was my time with my dude, Jason Hewlett. What an incredible man. I didn't know if he was going to bust out some impersonations. I wanted him to, but as a comedian, you can't ever tell another comedian, hey, can you do that thing that you do? That'd be great if you could do the thing you do. Thanks. No, dance. Dance now. Um, so I'm really appreciative that he that he led us into some of that brilliance as well. And... More than that, I appreciate getting into his words and hearing about the promise and thinking about how do we talk to ourselves? What are the times where, when we see that we're ugly, maybe other people see that we're Ricky Martin. Uh, And it doesn't mean that they're wrong. And that's a big thing for me. Other people are allowed to see our greatness before we do. Uh, And it doesn't mean that they're wrong. Uh, And I hope that you are allowing yourself to find some of that grace, some of that forgiveness that Jason talks so beautifully about. Thanks for coming to the diner and kicking it with us, y'all. Until the next time we get to hang out, do me a favor. Keep punching small talk in the face and asking better questions. You all take care. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Diner Talks with James. It was so much fun getting to hang out with you and finish our milkshakes in that squeaky red leather booth. (laughs) If you do me a favor and smash that subscribe button, that would be dope. And also, if you could leave a review on iTunes, well, (laughs) come on now, you're gonna make me blush. (laughs) Also, if you wanna be a part of the action, we record these live on YouTube Live every Wednesday night at 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Go to YouTube and type in James T. Robo and smash that red subscribe button so you know when we go live next. Also, While we're on the subject, I'm James T. Robo all over the Internet. I post meaningful content on Instagram, witty content on Twitter. Let's get connected in some other places, folks. And as always, if you're interested in learning more about the guest tonight, please check out the show notes. My friends, until next time, keep punching small talk in the face by asking better questions. Y'all take care.